The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There is no better place to be on a Sunday than to be in the house of the Lord. David says, a day in your house is better than a thousand out there. Amen. Can I just uh, <clears throat> reflect on the two songs as we were worshiping here? This second song, we say, you are faithful, O Lord, you are faithful. The first one, it was saying, mercy rewrote my life. Do I have witnesses of people here that indeed mercy rewrote my life? Amen. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, I wouldn't be here now. So actually, when you think of these two words, mercy and grace, okay, mercy means you deserve, <clears throat> you've done something and you deserve to be punished. But because God loves you, he denies you the punishment you rightfully deserve. So in other words, God says, you are not going to be punished even if you deserve the punishment. And in grace, it says, you get things you don't deserve because they are very good. And God wants you to get it. So grace is God's unmerited favor where you get things even if you don't deserve them. Mercy is God's love still where you don't get the bad things that you deserve them. So it means the devil has his work cut out. With mercy and grace. That's why the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So it's just that sometimes as children of God, we don't always know what God has done for us. There are so many things that God has done for us. And there are so many things that God keeps on doing in our lives. But when you don't know, you will be defeated like any people, anybody in the world. Amen. So we need to know what God has said. Can we start with Romans chapter 10 verse 17? <clears throat> this is not the title yet. I just want to give you that background information so that you can understand. Romans 10 17 in the King James Version, Mr. MJ. Because there are so many things that God has done for us and what God wants to do for us. But when we do not know the word of God, we cannot exercise faith. And sometimes people will tell you things, and you hear a lot of what people say more than what God says. Do you know that if you hear a lot of bad things happening, can I give you just a simple example? If on the news you are always watching and the news always show horrific accidents with taxis that are beyond repair and people are squashed and that, that starts instilling fear, isn't it? Even when you hear a lot of things that are happening, we hear in such and such a place people were shot dead, in such a place there was an accident, in such a place all the earthquakes and all these bad things, they affect your thinking. So as much as the world is speaking, God also speaks. Amen? Now, look at this Romans 10, 17 with the same attitude. Read Romans 10, 17, King James Version.
It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <clears throat> so faith does not come by hearing what the world says. Tell your neighbor, faith does not come by hearing what the world is saying. How does it come? <clears throat> by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know what comes by hearing what the world says? Fear. Mm. The things that you are afraid of, you heard or saw them. Isn't it? And you didn't hear or see them in the word. Which means your source of hearing is different from this one here in Romans 10, 17. So I'm going to share with you today so that you can just see how good God is in our lives. And we need to expose ourselves more to what God says than to what the world says. Because if I hear a lot of what the world says, it will instill fear in me. You remember when Jesus says, be careful what you are hearing in the book of Mark 4.23. Don't open it. It's in there in Mark 4.23. He says, be careful what you are hearing. For the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will be measured back to you. So the things that we expose ourselves to affect our lives. So when the word says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why in this church, we will always tell you what the word of God says. Amen. I could spend a lot of time telling you what the newspapers are saying, but you can read newspapers for yourself. You don't need me here. Amen. I need to tell you, thus saith the Lord. And also when you go home, why we show it to you in the word, so that you don't say the pastor said. You need to be able to say, to say, thus saith the word of God. And God is watching over his word to fulfill it. So I want you to go with me to the book of Psalms 103. Verse 1 to 5 in the CEV, contemporary English version. CEV, Psalms 103, verse 1 to 5. So when we sing that song, you are faithful, O Lord, you are faithful, O Lord. I don't know about you, but I was reflecting on the goodness and faithfulness of God. I believe those of you who are here who are children of God, you know what God has done for you. You can say, Lord, you are faithful. If it were not for your faithfulness, I would not be alive today. If it were not of your faithfulness, maybe I my mind would not be working well today. If it were not for your faithfulness, I could have been maimed today, paralyzed today whatever other things that the enemy wanted to attack me with. But Lord, you are faithful. There was another time where I was even thinking, some of us even before we started knowing the Lord, so I realized actually the devil missed an opportunity to destroy my life before I knew the Lord because I did not have any defense. I did not know how to fight using the word of God. Now, if he wants to try it now, it's too late because I already know what God says. Amen. That's why if you are a child of God, you need to hear more what your God is saying, more than what the world is saying. Can I give you a simple example to show you that, the importance of the word? Have you realized when you start studying the word or you start praying, you feel like falling asleep, your body gets tired. 
I mean, all of a sudden when you were watching the soapy, you were very wide awake. But now when it's time to study the word or time to pray, you're tired. It's not starting with you. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, they were sleeping when they were praying, helping Jesus. And Jesus said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. So I take it that, why is it that when I want to do that, then all of a sudden I'm made to feel tired? It means there's somebody who knows that what I'm doing is a threat to him, and that's the devil. Amen. That's why even when you feel like missing church, it's very easy. The devil likes it that way. Amen. So don't allow what your flesh dictates to you because the devil wants to get you. Rather get the proper training and get what the word of God says. So I want us to look at this Psalms 103 verse 1 to 5 in the contemporary English version. Can I, before we read there, can I ask us to make a pledge together? I want us to pledge to the word of God. I want us to say, those of you who have your Bible, if you have got it in Bible form like this, it's fine. If you've got it in electronic form like this, it's fine. If you've got it in a phone, it's fine. If you don't have it at all, how do I help you? Okay, raise your hand and call it the Bible for today. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I believe everything that God says. I am obedient to his word. And he fulfills his word in my life. Amen. And when it speaks things, whatever your Bible speaks, it's talking to you. Mine speaks to me also. So, read it for us. Now, I want you to look at this and now say, but this is my Bible. This is what God is saying to me. This is the word of God to me. Psalms 103, 1 to 5. With all my heart, I praise the Lord. Okay. With all my heart, I praise the Lord. The other versions will say, bless the Lord, all my soul. Uh-huh. And with all that I am, I praise his holy name. Other versions would say, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Mm-hmm. With all my heart, I praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. I will never forget how kind he has been. He says, I will never forget how kind he has been. Other versions would say, forget not all his benefits. Okay? It means it's easy to forget what God has promised. Okay? And you talk more what people are saying. Unfortunately, God is not watching over people's words to confirm them. He's watching over his word to confirm it. So now I want you to look at the psalmist, why I took it in the contemporary English version. Verse 1 and 2, I like it more in King James, NIV, where it talks about bless the Lord. But verse 3 to 5, I like it in this version that Mr. MJ is reading it from. Listen to this. Now, we're going to count some of the benefits, okay, that we are praising God for. So today, we are also going to have time to pray in church. You remember we said this year, we are going to spend a lot of time with God in his presence. Amen? 
Yes. So, read that verse 3 to us. Now we're starting to list the benefits. The Lord forgives our sins. Okay. The Lord forgives our sins. Mercy rewrote my life. You see, if you know that because of God's mercy, now I've got a fresh start with God. God does not count my previous deeds. He does not keep a record of my wrongs. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me from my past. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. So it says he forgives our sins. Can we all say he, say he forgives my sins? Yes. And that's why I'm even able to be in church today. That's why you are here today. Because he's not counting your past wrong against you. Okay? He forgives my sins. Is that a promise or a fact? It's a fact. He forgives our sins, isn't it? You don't say, I believe that he forgives my sins. You know he does. Isn't it? So when he died on the cross, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. That's a fact. He did it. Amen? So I don't only have to believe it, I know it. Because he has done it. So he forgives my sins. Uh -huh. Heals us when we are sick. What does he do when we are sick? So he heals me. So it means when sickness says you can't get healed, sickness is not telling the truth because God says he heals me when I'm sick. Amen? Yeah. You need to believe more what God says. When you hear people saying this disease is incurable, God didn't say that. In other versions, it actually says he heals all your diseases. So if he heals all our diseases, let's believe him for that. But if we hear what people say, they will say some of these diseases are incurable. But God did not say that. God says he heals all our diseases. Verse 4. And protects us from death. Hey, I like it. You see what God is doing. He forgives my sins. He heals me. He protects me. I mean... That's why I say it should be hard to be the devil. Because with God on my side, I'm sorted. Can you tell your neighbor with God on my side? I'm sorted. Amen. Every aspect of my life is covered. So he forgives my sins. He heals my diseases. He protects me from death. Continue. His kindness and love are a crown on our heads. Mm. Each day that we live... He, prov he provides for our needs. Hey. So, can I list again the, some of the benefits? He forgives my sins. Can we all say he forgives our, uh, my sins? He heals my diseases. He protects me. He provides for me. That's what he's saying. So I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. And you say, but pastor... I don't always feel like that. I actually am so sick now when you are speaking. I've got such a terrible pain. 
Actually, I've got so many dads as you're speaking, pastor. So if you say that, what should change between the word of God and your situation? Do you think the word of God must change? No. The Bible says forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It means it is my situation that must change. And you know the problem with situations. It's, it changes like weather. Even if you are sick today, you might not have been sick last month. So imagine now if the word of God was supposed to change every time when a situation is like this, the word changes. When your situation changes, the word changes. It would be chaos, isn't it? So we need to have the word of God as a golden standard. Our situations will fluctuate, but they must change and align to what God has said. Okay, now, I want to pick one of the benefits. Okay, there are still many more going down. I want to take the one that says he protects us. And I want us today to talk about the Lord, our protector. Amen? I want to talk about the Lord, our protector. We need protection, isn't it? We need protection. And when it says the Lord is our protector, because it says he protects us. So he decided to be our protector. We did not coerce him into protecting us. Can I give you a simple example? Jesus also used to teach in parables. It's sometimes good to use illustrations of something we understand. Then you can link with it well. How many of you know a, I think all of us we know, you know this, uh, the, 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 the cars that carry cash. They're called what? That cash money, that carry money. What are they called? Also, can we just call them cash carrying cars? Okay. So, because that car has got something special in it, the money. Do you know that the way that that car is protected is beyond what that car would have been protected if there was no money? You know that? So when you see those guys who are protecting that car, they are not protecting actually the car. How many of you know that? They are actually protecting the money that is in the car. Amen? Even those who are chasing that car, they are actually not chasing the car. They are looking for the money that is in the car. Amen. Amen. Now, with that kind of thinking, I want to think of you as a child of God. And you think about what God has in you. Don't you think God will also need to protect what he has stored in you? Amen. Don't you think you've got something? You see, there's this scripture that says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. That the excellency may be of God and not of us. So there is something that God has stored in us, each one of us, that he has to protect it because it is own. I actually carry the Lord's mark. I carry the Lord's brand when I'm a child of God. Amen. So he protects me. He preserves me. Not for my sake, but for his name's sake. Amen. So when he does things for us, even when he heals me, do you know this is the thing that encourages me, encourages me to always stay healed. You know that when I'm supposed to come and preach to you, now if, if I'm sick and I can't come and preach to you, 
That's a disturbance of God's program, isn't it? Hmm? Yeah. So I've got to stay healthy. Not for my sake, but also for the sake of his work. So the things that are happening in our lives, we should always say it's actually not about me. I'm not the primary thing. The primary thing is what God has bestowed upon me. What God wants to do with my life. That's why you need to be useful in the kingdom of God. Amen. You need to be useful in the kingdom of God. Amen. That it will be a loss for the kingdom if you are not there. So therefore, you are preserved. You are covered. You are protected. You are healed. Amen. Go with me to Psalms 17, 8, New King James Version. I'll give you several scriptures about the Lord, our protector, so that you can know. You said when we made a pledge here, you said, I believe the word of God and I'm obedient to his word. And we said, Lord, confirm your word in my life. Now, Psalms 17 verse 8, New King James Version. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Okay, I'm going to explain that, but go, go to Zechariah 2, 8. New King James Version, Zechariah 2, 8. So it says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Okay, the apple of, of the eye is this thing, your, your eye. Do you know with your eye, if somebody wants to touch your eye, it's not easy to touch it, isn't it? I'm talking about this, the thing inside. Not This one is easy to touch, man. But the eye, you know what happens? Just the moment when it closes. It doesn't want your, the apple of your eye to be touched. Now he says, keep me as the apple of your eye. So it means, cover me and protect me like the apple of your eye that mustn't be touched. Now look at this, Zechariah 2.8. For thus says the Lord of hosts. Okay. So when the Lord speaks, we must stand to attention. Thus says the Lord. It's not thus says the preacher. So thus says the Lord of hosts. What does he say? He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. Mm -hmm. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Hey, can we all say hey? I mean... Whoever touches me, what are they touching? And you think God will just be like this and then touching his eye? Because when your eye is touched, do you just do like this when people are? Huh? No. That's why in Psalms it says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Cover me, O Lord. You remember, cover me, oh Lord, cover me, oh Lord, under your shelter. Amen. Keep me as the apple of your eye. And it says, whoever touches me, touches the apple of his eye. So it means I don't need to fight for myself. The Lord is my protector. 
The Lord is my defense. The Lord is my helper. Amen. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Cover me. Amen. And what does God himself say? Zechariah 2.5. Just go up in verse 5 of the same New King James Version where you were. Just read verse 5 now. So you will see that God himself also, we are not just convincing him to keep us as the apple of his eye. He himself says, read verse 5. For I, says the Lord. Hey, I like this thing when God speaks. You know that we said this is the word of God. Talking about the whole Bible. But there are times when God says, I am now speaking. He says, for I, says the Lord. Speak, Lord. We are listening. Will be a wall of fire all around her. Hey. And I will be the glory in her midst. Okay. Now, if... I'm the apple of his eye, and he covers me. He says, now, now that you, pro, you, you, you trust me, I will be a wall of fire around you. Amen? So that even when the enemies want to attack you, may they see the fire of God all around me. Like the Israelites, you remember when the Israelites were moving, the Bible says, the cloud would cover, would be in front of them, between them and the, the, the Israel and the Egyptians, it would lead them. But the time when the Egyptians were chasing them, the cloud came back behind them and protected them. And at night, what were they protected with? The fire. The pillar of fire by night. Now, he says, he will be a wall of fire around me. I want us to start learning to trust what God is saying. And we believe it. That God, you said you are my protector. You said you have formed a hedge around me, around my family and around all that is mine on every side. You know Job 1.10. You remember the time when the devil was complaining? <laughs> so the book of Job, you read from verse 1 going down, you will hear that it was the time when the servants of God were coming before God. And the devil also came there. And God asks him, Job, uh, Satan, where have you been? He says, no, I was roaming to and fro upon the face of the earth. It was vacashing. I got such a gone. Bored, moving to and fro upon the face of the earth. Then God said, have you seen my servant Job? There is no one like him. He fears me and shuns evil. Hey, imagine if God speaks about you like that. That this one lives for me. He does not live for sin. This one serves me. This one is faithful. I'm proud of him. And the devil said, Does Job fear you for nothing? Now if you look at, if you look at verse 10, when you get time, when you reach home, it's still there. It will remain there even when you reach home. Job 1.10. It says, Have you not formed a hedge around him, around his family, and around all that he has on every side. Then I asked myself a question. Devil, how did you know? Do you think the devil read the Bible? How did he know? He was trying it. Yes, he wanted to attack Job, and he couldn't. He realized, there's all of fire around this one. You formed a hedge around him. 
He says, if I can't get Job, let me go for his children. Let me go for his family. Then he realized, even the family is protected. He says, if I can't get them, then let me go for what they have. It says, so the devil says, you have formed a hedge around him, around his family, and around all that he has on every side. It means we are sorted. Amen. The only time when the devil ultimately got a chance to penetrate through, it was after that conversation where the devil said to God, but Job is doing all these things because things are going well with him. If things could be bad with him, he's going to curse you to your face. And then God said, he's in your hands. You remember the first time God said, he's in your hands, but don't touch his. It was the first one, it's don't touch his body. That's why at first he could not touch Job's body. He was only allowed to touch what Job had. You remember he killed all the things that Job had. And then the devil came back to God and said, God says, you've moved me against him. But look, he's still holding on to his integrity. Then the devil said, yeah, but if, but if, it's just people, if you just lose what you have, it's not as serious as if the attack is on him. And God said, you can go for him, but don't touch his soul. Means don't kill him. That's why the devil could only, for second round, he could only go for boils and sickness, but he could not kill him. So it means the devil cannot do what he wants to do at his own time against my life. Amen. Amen. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. Tell your neighbor, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. Amen. Because God says he protects us. He says he forms a wall of fire around us. I want us to go to Psalms 91. You can't talk protection and not talk Psalms 91. Okay? Psalms 91 from verse 1 to 16 in the Good News Translation, GNT. Now, we say, this is my Bible. This is the word of God. And I believe it. And sometimes people will say to you, You've got to be realistic. You know that when people tell you you've got to be realistic, they are not saying use your faith. They are saying use common sense. Tell them, if I use common sense, I'm going to die. If I use common sense, I'm in trouble. If I'm, I use common sense, my debts will sink me. I have so much debts that if I were to use common sense, I'm finished. So rather, let me dream in God's way. Rather, let me go to my fantasy land in the word of God. So let's go. Fantasy land in the word of God. And the good thing is that when we do this, God is watching over his word to fulfill it in my life. So Jeremiah 1.12 says, after God said, what do you see? And then Jeremiah says, I see somebody who's awake and watchful. And God says, you've seen correctly. Because I'm watching over my word to fulfill it. So that's why when we give you the word, we are giving you something that God is jealously guarding upon your life. Something that God wants to fulfill in your life. So even when we are going to pray today, as we are going to spend time in his presence, I want you to tell him what he said. Because then he is saying, you have watched correctly, you have seen it right. That's exactly what I want to do in your life. Psalms 91 from verse 1. 
GNT. Maybe let me do it for the sake of time. Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, you see, the protection of who? Okay, there's this in other translation, like the King James, it says, whoever dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So I, I used to always say, why I like it when he is the Most High? Is that he is the highest, isn't it? There is no one above the Most High. So it means if my enemies go wherever they want to go, they can get a muti or whatever, but they haven't gone to the most high. So I rather dwell in the secret place of the most high. So if I dwell in the secret place of the most high, then I'm covered. It's like somebody who wins his case in a constitutional court. They are covered. Okay. But if you win your case in the lower court, it might still be overturned. So for us, we dwell in the secret place of who? Of the most high. The almighty. When he says he is the almighty, it means he's got how much power? He's got all the power. Can we say God has all the power? He is the almighty. He is great in battle. That's why Exodus 15, after the Egyptians were defeated, Miriam started a song. Jehovah is your name. He's a mighty warrior. He's great in battle. He fights for his people. Now look. It says, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty can say to him, it means we must say it, faith speaks. So when we're teaching you faith, we want you to also speak what God has said. The reason why you hear me speak here, I'm speaking my faith. Some of you will be saying, ah, pastor, that's risky. What you are saying is very risky. Why do you say such a statement? I'm speaking my faith. Amen. And that's how we fight in the kingdom of God. You speak your faith. If you look throughout the Bible, whoever get, got anything from God, they got it by faith. Amen. So if I want to get something from God, I've got to exercise my faith. That's why here it says, you can go to him and say. You don't just think. You go to him and say. You are my defender and protector. Did you see what we must say to him? We're going to pray today and also praise and worship. So it means at that time you can go to God and say, Lord, I thank you. I praise you. You are my defender and my protector. And then you meditate about that. And you realize actually I'm well covered. Amen. Because he's my defender and my protector. You are my God. In you I trust. You know the Bible says, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I mean, people have got many things that they are trusting in. It's just that I'm trusting in the Lord. Amen. So there's nothing wrong if you are trusting in other things, you're trusting in other things. But allow us to trust in God. Because he's faithful. Verse 3, he will keep you safe from all hidden dangers. <laughs> to me, this one says, some of the dangers 
They couldn't attack me. They couldn't destroy my life. I didn't even see them. I didn't even know there were plots against my life. But God kept me safe, even from hidden dangers. That's why I'm still protected. Because the Lord is our defense. The Lord is our, 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 our protector. Now listen. And from all deadly diseases. Did God just say that? Huh? Do you believe it? Yeah. So when you hear your disease is incurable, God didn't say it. God says, he keeps me safe from all deadly diseases. He said it. And I believe him. Can I get the church to join me in believing God? Amen. Can we all say amen? amen? I believe him. Amen. He said it. And you can't blame me for what God has said. I'm just believing what he said. He said he keeps me safe from all deadly diseases. He will cover you with his wings. You remember the African context that I always tell some of you? Some of us who grew up in rural areas. You know the story of the hen and the chicks? See that the dangers of growing in urban areas. <laughs> you think chicken is manufactured. Because you only see it in chicken pay. Okay. So, chicken starts as something alive. For those of you in urban areas. So, a hen would lay eggs, brood over them. 21 days later, chicks are hatched. So, what the hen usually does, when those chicks are hatched, the hen, those ones in rural areas, we don't give food for them. They look for food for themselves. So, they, the hen would be leading its chicks. You know that. And the chicks are very obedient. Imagine if we would follow the Lord like that. I mean, you would always be fine, man. I mean, that... That hen, so the chicks are saying, mommy knows where she's leading us. Mommy knows where she's leading us. And he leads me beside still waters. I follow him. So when he's going like that, if the hen sees the shadow of a hawk, you know if something is flying and there is a, it's sunny like now, you see the shadow of a hawk. What does mommy say? Don't know what is that language. But the moment it says, those of you who are not from rural areas, listen to me. You know what the, chick, the hen does. When it says that, you know what the little ones do? If they were in different areas, what do they do? Huh? Mommy does this. And the little ones do what? They run under the wings. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The run into it and they are safe. You see that? So it means when that hen does this, the little ones run there and mommy does this. 
What do you think when, if the dog wants these children, what must he do? Huh? You get mommy first. So imagine God says here, look at it, verse 4. What does it say, verse 4? He will cover you with his wings. So, devil, if you want to get me, get him first. Because it says, I mean, that, 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 that chick, that hand, that thing is saying, I'm covering them. So he covers me with his wings. You will be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day or the plagues that strike in the dark or the evils that kill in daylight. You can see that the enemy is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The devil wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundant. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, A thousand may fall dead beside you. Ten thousand all around you. But you will not be harmed. You see how special God sees you to be. He says a thousand may fall on one side, ten thousand on the other side, but not with you, my children. I want to cover you. I want to protect you. Verse 8. You will look and see how the wicked are punished. Verse 9. You have made the Lord your defender, the Most High your protector. Verse 10. And so, no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Verse 11. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. Amen? You see that car now? Huh? And you see the angels. It says God will protect you wherever you go. He has given his angels charge over us to protect us, to cover us. So we just need to believe him. I think the problem with most Christians is that we usually want to reason instead of believing. I always say I like the age group of children that I like the most. Is that group between three and eight years? Mm, they are sweet. Firstly, they think they know better than you. They will be teaching you a lot of things. But they also trust. They believe you as a parent. They actually think if you are the father, they think you can beat anybody in the world. If anybody does anything wrong with that child, the child will tell you, I'm going to tell my daddy. Thinking that daddy <laughs> can beat everybody. You see, unfortunately, daddy can't. But how about my daddy? You see that? Now, that child, the same thing. Those of you ever, who ever had them between three and eight years, if you're going to shops, let's say you're going to Toys R Us, what do they do? When you buy this one, mommy, that one, that one, 
that one, that one. Ah. And you know what mommy say? We will buy on Christmas time. Or just choose one, just choose one. And that child doesn't understand. Mommy, you've got all the money you can buy the shop. They think mommy has all the money. They are not actually, they, they are not bluffing you when they are asking you for all those things. They think you can buy everything. You've got all the money. Now imagine if we can believe our God like that. Because indeed my God has got everything. I need to be spoiled with my God like the three to eight year olds. Amen. So, where were we? Verse 11. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands to keep you from hitting your feet on the stones. You will trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. God says, I will save those who love me and will protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. When they call to me, I will answer them. When they are in trouble, I will be with them. I will rescue them and honor them. Verse 16. I will reward them with long life. I will save them. Amen. That's why I'm, I'm believing God. I'm believing to live long. I ain't quitting now. He said he would satisfy me with long life. I'm believing him for that. And I say it. That's how faith works. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4.13, you don't have to open it. It says, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we speak. So when you believe something, speak it. Even Jesus, he spoke to the fig tree. You remember when Jesus walked and he thought there would be figs on that fig tree? And when he found that there were no figs, he cursed the fig tree. He said, no one will eat fruit from you hereafter forever. And those of you who have your Bibles, when you open it, you will say, and his disciples had him. It means he was not speaking in his heart, just in case it doesn't happen. No. He said, no one eat fruit from you hereafter forever. He put his faith on the line. And the disciples heard it. Means now the disciples would be watching. <laughs> what if this fig tree now bear fruit? The Bible says the next day when they came back, the fig tree was dried up from the root. And Peter said, that's Mark 11. Peter said, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cast is withered away. Jesus said, have faith in God. Assuredly I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, now he goes beyond the fig tree. Be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart. But believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. You see that? That's why you've got to say it. I say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Say it. So now... He says he will reward us with long life. Now, let me give you another example. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 26, verse 51 to verse 54, NLT, New Living Translation. I want to show you how Jesus 
used the issue of angelic protection, protection with angels. Okay? Because when Jesus was on earth, he was a mere human being like me and you. Can I prove to you that Jesus was a mere human being like you and you, me and you? In John 4, it says, and Jesus, in, 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 in Matthew 4, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he became hungry. Do you think God gets hungry? Uh-uh. And if you read John chapter 11, when he was at the, womb of, at the tomb of Lazarus, verse 35, it says, and Jesus wept. You remember that? And Jesus wept. Which means when he was on the earth, he was setting an example for you and I. He lived on this earth to set an example that you can live by faith. Now, this was the time when they were going to capture Jesus. The people were going to crucify Jesus. They wanted to kill him. So they came with swords and all the ammunitions of the day. They wanted to arrest Jesus. And then Peter also had a sword. Okay? And when it was commotion like that, Peter, okay, let's read. Verse 51, Mr. MJ, NLT, 51 to 54, Matthew 26. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Slashing the ear. Okay. What did Jesus say? Well done, my servant. You've protected me. No, 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 no. Put away your sword. Oh, no, I want us to look at this, man. Peter, that's a very good... The rest of you, where are you? Can't you see that the master is in trouble now? Where are your swords? Is that what your Bible says? Hmm? What does your Bible say? Put away your sword. Jesus told him, those who use the sword will die by the sword. Now, I want verse 53. Don't you? Verse 53 is showing you why Jesus did not call angels to protect him. He could have if he wanted to. Read verse 53. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? Okay. Did you hear that? What did Jesus say? Don't you realize that I could have called for my father to send us. He said he will give us his angels charge over us to protect us in all our ways. Don't you realize that I could have called my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And what would God do? And he will send them instantly. How? Is it? Huh? Is it? So Jesus, why don't you do it? Because you will be protected if that goes that way. 54. But if I did, how will the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? <laughs> did you see that? People, the word of God is clear and simple. So Jesus says, the reason why I'm not calling angels is because I need to lay down my life. I need to die for them on the cross. If I call angels and I get protected, how will I die on the cross? Did you see what Jesus said there? So that's why in the Bible he says, I lay down my life. 
for the brethren's sake. But did you see in verse 53 that Jesus could have called on the angels if he needed to? Eh? Did I write that one? Jesus said it himself, isn't it? That I could, but I'm choosing not to. Because I've got to go this way. Amen? So go to Hebrews 1.14. So the angels are not only meant for those people who lived in the Old Testament or Jesus. The angels are there also for us. Hebrews 1.14 amplified, not classic, but amplified the older version of amplified. A-M-P-L, amplified, Hebrews 1.14. I want you to look at this protection from God with angels protecting us. The other time I gave you my testimony of how I experienced the angelic protection in, a real term, in real terms. And I don't forget that testimony. Amen. Because it's something supernatural. So read it. Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany, protect those who inherit salvation? Of course they are. <laughs> what are angels? Can we all say they are ministering spirits? Sent out by God. To accompany me and protect me. Amen. Because I'm an heir of salvation. Amen. They are. They are ministering spirits sent out to protect us. It doesn't mean the world doesn't want to hurt you. It doesn't mean the world, the world doesn't want to destroy your life. But the Lord is there for you. The Lord is on your side. The Lord is your defender. The Lord is your protector. He is your refuge. Go with me to Isaiah 54, 17. So we're beginning our descent. We're not landing yet, but we're beginning our descent. We're going to land soon so that we have enough time to pray. Isaiah 54, 17, New King James Version. Because the enemy... In John 10, 10, it says, The thief cometh not, but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The enemy wants to destroy us, but God is our protector. God covers us. Covers me with his feathers. Under his wings I take refuge. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The rushes run unto it, and they are safe. Amen. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So it means there are weapons that are formed against us. But it says no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Mm -hmm. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So who condemns the tongues that raise against us in judgment? We. Yes. You shall condemn it. You have to speak it. Amen. And cancel all those things that people say against you. Yeah. Well, that's not my portion. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Yeah. My portion is in the way. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. 
I like it when the Lord himself speaks. Amen? And he tells me what he does for me. Let me take you, give you a last example. <coughs> Let me give you, yeah, I think there are two or three. We're landing with these examples quickly. We're going to pray. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Verse 23 to 25 in the NIV. Talking about God protecting his people. And I want to give you practical examples how God protected his people. You said Jesus saying, I could have called on the angels to come and protect me. You had that, isn't it? But he chose not to. But I want you to look at these examples where God protected his people. Look at how he does it. Exodus 14, 23 to 25. It was the time when the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites. They wanted to recapture them. The Israelites came again uh, toward that Red Sea. And behind them were their enemies chasing them. It's like you've heard the English saying, between a, a, a rock and a hard place. They are both hard. So, in front of them it was the Red Sea. Behind them was their enemies. Sideways were the mountains. So there was nowhere to hide. Okay? The enemy's coming. My God makes a way where there seems to be no way. So in the middle of that Red Sea, God says to Moses, lift up your rod and point to the sea. For the Egyptians you see today, you will see them no more forever. And that is my God. And when Moses pointed to the Red Sea, the Red Sea parted, and the Israelites passed through there. What did, what did the Egyptians do? Did they stop and said, we don't know what will happen to that water? No. They thought that miracle was for them also. Tell your neighbor, the Egyptians thought that that miracle was for them also. So they also followed. And as they were following, the people for whom the miracle was meant, when the last one was out, miracle time was over. Use your faith now. You were, you were riding on this, my children's faith. Now use your faith. But listen to this. I want to show you the protection part. So read verse 23 to 25 NIV, Mr. MJ. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. So they were following them into the sea. Uh -huh. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire. Did and you hear doubt. about that fire? So the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud. What did he look at? At the Egyptian army uh -huh. and throw it into confusion. Yes. What did he do? What did God do? It's not he, the Israelites doing this. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. Okay. So this is what was happening. The Israelites were on foot. The Egyptians were on chariots. It's like you are chasing somebody with a car when somebody is, is it's on foot. You will catch them, isn't it? So, but as they were going, the Lord jammed the wheels of the chariots. So now, it's like you try to accelerate. And now, 
to show that it's not just only your car, you see everybody else is doing that. What's happening, guys? What's happening, guys? Seems there's something supernatural here. Read. And the Egyptians said, hey, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. <laughs> Did you see that? Hey, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them. Now, once the Lord starts fighting for you, your enemies will be afraid of you. Amen. But if you try to fight with them yourself, that's the problem. Let the Lord fight for you. You remember the Bible says the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. The Lord is our defender. You see, the problem is that some of us, we are always checking, why did so and so say to me? People come and they tell you all the gossips against you. No, you know, I was there and she said this and this. And this. Now you're spending time. Yeah, I think she's got a witness. I also must check this. You could have just been checking the witness of the word. Leave them. Amen. They can say whatever they want to say. If you didn't do it, why worry? What do you have to cover? If you've got nothing to cover, just live your life. Amen. So until the enemies will say, the Lord is fighting for them, let's run away from here. Another example, 1 Samuel 17.45, Good News Translation. 1 Samuel 17.45, GNT. It was the time when David and Goliath were fighting. <clears throat> so Goliath was a seasoned soldier. And actually Saul gave credit to Goliath. Saul said, who are you, David, that you think you can face Goliath? This man was a man of war from his youth. You can't fight him. He is experienced in war. But now, David knew that I've got something that this man does not have. I've got the name of the Lord. I've got the name of the Lord. Do you know what you've got which the world doesn't have? You've got the name of Jesus. You've got the name of Jesus. Now, listen. 1 Samuel 17, 45, GNT. David answered, You are coming against me with sword, spear, and javelin. Mm -hmm. But I come against you in the okay. name... Okay, so, it was like this. Goliath is coming with a spear, a sword, and a javelin. That's meant for to kill David. Now David knows, no weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. Now when the enemy is coming like that, what does David do? David says, but I come against you. How do I come against you? In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you're trying to defy. There we go. Amen. You know the rest is history, isn't it? He says, you come against me with all this, but I come against you in the name. Can we start using the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The Russians run unto it and they are safe. When the enemy comes against me, I use the name of Jesus. And the good thing with the name is that you have it all the time. Wherever you go, you've got the name of Jesus. Sometimes you are driving and a truck loses its brakes and it's coming your way. It's not about your skills. 
Because you may just turn to the, to the place where the truck is going. The truck is also trying to sway from you. You also swaying from the truck. You going the same direction. Because you didn't agree with each other. You must go that way. I go this way. So it means at such time. Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run unto it and they are safe. Then you will be surprised. How did I come out of that one? The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Amen. So let's take the last verse. Acts 27. Going to pray. And when we pray today, I want us to look at some of the benefits that we've spoken about now. This is how you exercise your faith. The reason why this year we said we'll teach, we'll pray together, do this. Let's just follow what God has laid in my heart and see where he takes us to. Amen. So some of the days we'll pray during service time like today. It means I have to manage my time in a way that there is enough time to pray and you'll still be out of church on time. But once a month we'll have prayer time which we do after church. Those of you who feel I've got enough time to pray. Remember the other time we said, It says, I've got time to pray, especially with such kind of a God. Amen. Now listen to this, Acts 27, 20 to 25, Good News Translation. This was the time when, they, when Paul, he was going to be taken to Caesar. And in those days, they were traveling with ship. You know, on ship. I've been on ship some time. The other time, we were going to Reunion. The other time, we were going to Goch Island and all that. When I was still a doctor with the, with the army. Sometimes when you are deep in the sea, you are there all alone. And if, if, the, if the winds throws that. You know what happened to the Titanic? Isn't it? There are times sometimes when you cannot help yourself with your own human abilities. You are stuck. You know that there are some problems that, some of the problems, most of the problems we usually have, there's alternatives that you can do something. But I think the good place to be is to be a place where you don't have an alternative. <laughs> where it's got to be God. So now they were in the middle of the sea and this ship was starting to sink. The waters were filling up because the, water, the, 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 the winds were blowing, blowing, blowing and water was getting in. Now what do you do? Nothing. Now they were very much afraid. Now listen. Because they were in danger. God says, I will Psalms 91. When he is in trouble, when he calls me in trouble, I will come and save him. So I believe, I don't think, I don't think Paul was saying, oh Lord, now we are going to die. Receive my spirit. I don't think he was saying that. I think he was saying, Lord, there's still some work to do. There's still some work to do. It's not time yet. Amen. Now listen, verse 20 to 25, Good News Translation. For many days, we could not see the sun or the stars. And the wind kept on blowing very hard. Yo. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. So it's like they were feeling 
<laughs> we are dead. But not with Paul, man of faith. Paul, tell us. After everyone had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Okay, I like it when there are people among us who know God. It doesn't matter what trouble there is. Even in your own family, some of you, you are the only Christian in that home. You are the hope of that home. You are the hope of that family. Now, Paul stood up and said, mm -hmm. You should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete. Then we will have avoided all this damage and loss. Mm -hmm. But now, I beg you, take courage. Okay. I like those words. Take courage. Tell your neighbor, take courage. Take courage. Hey, I like that. Because it's like, even when things look hopeless, take courage. Be strong and very courageous. Amen. Take courage. Don't be discouraged. You know the opposite of the word courage is discouraged. So when you feel like you are getting discouraged, take courage. Stand up. It ain't over yet. Mm -hmm. Not one of you will lose your life. Only the sheep will be lost. How? Paul, how do you know that? How can you talk like that? Probably somebody next to Paul would be saying, you never know, Paul. He said, not one of you will lose your life. Even those of you who don't believe, because I'm here. <laughs> you know that a lot of people, they are safe because of you. Hey, people are safe because of you. Ask Potiphar. Potiphar, when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, things started going well. And Potiphar thought it's because of whatever other things. Get Joseph out of there. You will see that you are nothing without servants of God. Amen. So now, why Paul? Why are you so confident? Verse 23. For last night, hmm. an angel of the God to whom I belong <laughs> and whom I worship. Hey, people, don't you like this? Somebody speaking with confidence. By the way, the, the winds are still doing this. And the ship is still looking like it's sinking. He says, take courage. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong. <laughs> Do you see that? Mm. And whom I worship. Do you have a God to whom you belong? Do you have a God that you worship? Amen. Is your God the Almighty? Amen. Is he great in battle? Amen. Is he above everything? Amen. Amen. That's the kind of God I serve. So he says, for last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship came to me and said, don't be afraid. You remember what we said when I began, because now we learned it. I said, as much as faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, how does fear come? By hearing what's happening in the world and seeing facts. So now when the winds were like that, they were starting to get afraid. Now Paul says, don't be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. That's what the angel said to him. And God in his goodness to you has spared the lives of all those who are sailing with you. 
You know those people who were sailing with Paul? They were safe because of their faith. Uh-uh. Because of Paul. So there are some of your relatives, even when we are going to pray now. I want you to also pray for your relatives, even those who don't know Jesus. May your faith, may you stand in the gap for them. May your faith also save them. Just like Paul's faith saving those people. Verse 25. So take courage, man. For I trust in God that it will be just as I was told. So I'm also saying to all of you, take courage. Take courage. Take courage. I want you to stand up. Take courage. We are going to pray as people who are courageous. Amen. Take courage. The God whom I serve will do it for me. Amen. Take courage. Worship, worship team, you can come to the fore. We're going to do the song, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And we start saying, He has done great things.